0: Well in our study in the book of Daniel we come to Daniel chapter 9 this morning and encourage you to turn in your Bibles with me to Daniel 9 as we look at verses 20 down through verse 27. Last Sunday as we looked at verses 1 through 19 we found Daniel seeking the Lord. He was seeking Him in prayer. And Daniel had been reading from the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 25 and Jeremiah chapter 29. And as he read from the book of Jeremiah, he was reminded that God had promised that one day when Israel would come back to him and confess their sin after a 70 year period of time... Of being uh, in deportation. That God would restore the people of Israel to Jerusalem. And restore them to be able to worship in the temple. So we find Daniel seeking the Lord. Confessing the sin of Israel before the Lord. Asking him to bring the people of Israel back to Jerusalem. Now today as we come to verses 20 through 27, we find God welcoming that prayer from Daniel. In fact, we find God honoring Daniel, not because of anything of Daniel himself, but because Daniel humbled himself before the Lord. He, he humbles his heart before the Lord. And we're going to see Daniel In comparison to another person in these verses, one who's the exact opposite of Daniel, a person who is so caught up in pride that they stand, that person stands in rejection of the Lord. One will be honored, one will face judgment. As we read these verses together, I encourage you to. Watch for the humbleness of Daniel. And compare that to the one who is coming. Whose life will be marked by pride. Who stands in rejection of the Lord. Daniel chapter 9 verse 20. Now while I was speaking and praying. And confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. And presenting my supplication before the Lord my God. On behalf of the holy mountain of my God. While I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me instruction and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplications the command was issued and I have come to tell you for you are highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and give understanding of the vision. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people in your holy city. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. See, so you are to know and discern that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks, and 62 weeks, it will be built again. With plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after 62 weeks the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And his end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be war. Desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate. Even until a complete destruction. One that is decreed. Is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So we find here in these verses. Daniel whose life is marked by humbleness before the Lord. And then one who is to come. Who we will see this morning will set himself up in the place of God and demand worship be directed to him instead of the Lord himself. This past week or so, Apple came out with an update, a new operating system for their phone. It's called iOS 12. And as I read about some of the features of the update, some of the things are pretty useless, but kind of cool. One of them is that you can create an emoji in your own image. Now, for some of us, that may not make sense. An emoji is just like a little picture. Uh, A common one would be a smiley face. So you could send a message to someone and then you could include a little smiley face just to kind of cheer up their day or to make them feel like you're happy well now in ios 12 you can actually create a face that looks like you and depending on your phone you can talk into your phone and your phone will copy your facial expression your smile The tilt of your head, and will include your voice, so that you can actually send a talking head that looks like you with your voice and your facial expression. Now, is that cool or what? Is that useless or what? Yeah. So the other night I was reading about this. I had done the upgrade to iOS 12, and I called up to my wife, who was in the upper level of her home, and said, "Barb, you've got to come down here now." You have to understand my wife. It's a little bit after nine o'clock. And ever since I've known her, at nine o'clock, she shuts down. Even when we're dating, you hit nine o'clock, boom, she's out. The girl fell asleep during the guns of Navarone. How I mean, I, I I can't explain it. Nine o'clock, boom, she's out for the count. So it's a few minutes after nine o'clock. And oh, I gotta go to bed. I said, Barb, you're going to want to come down. Oh, I need sleep. Barb, you're going to want to come down. So she finally came down. And I told her about the new Memoji. And I let her create my image. Oh, was she glad she came down. She got to pick out my nose, my shape of my face, my skin color, my ears, my lack of hair, my glasses. She got to pick it all out. And quite frankly, I was a little fearful to see the end result. Now, while it caused me a sense of trepidation to see how she described my outward appearance. How happy am I that the emoji was not set up for her to describe my inward appearance. You know, if there was a sliding scale... Like there was for example on skin pigment. If there was a sliding scale that went from humble servant before the Lord. To prideful one. Depending on the day. I would not like to see the emoji that she used to depict me. And one of the things that we are going to see here in Daniel chapter 9. Is a clear picture Of what it really looks like. To walk humbly before the Lord. And we're also going to see a clear picture. Of what it ultimately looks like. To walk in pride. And in the process. We'll get a glimpse once again. Into the life of Daniel. But also the life of the one. Who ultimately walks in pride. That's still yet to come. The one that we refer to as Antichrist. As the section begins in verses 20 through 23. We see this glimpse into Daniel's life. This one who is humbled before the Lord. Now we have noted in the book of Daniel. That there is a theme that runs through the book. This theme of humbleness. We have seen the exact opposite. We saw King Nebuchadnezzar. So caught up in pride. That God had to humble him. And we saw kind of a a a key verse of the theme. In the end of chapter 4. When Nebuchadnezzar finally came to his senses. And said this. He. Referring to God. Is able to humble those who walk in pride. That's Nebuchadnezzar's words. That he learned the hard way. And so we've seen this. This theme running through Daniel of humbleness before the Lord or pride before the Lord. And we see it here again in verses 20 through 27. Here we find that God actually treasures humbleness. He treasures humbleness so much that he's going to send Gabriel with a message just for Daniel. And he's going to tell Daniel That God treasures him. And actually because he does. Because God honors that humbleness of heart. God is going to reveal truth to Daniel. Just like today. When we walk in humbleness of heart. God has equipped each and every follower of Jesus Christ. To be able to discern truth. And we see it clear back here in Daniel 9 notice with me in verse 20 Daniel's done praying now in the previous verses verses 1 through 19 he'd been reading the prophet Jeremiah chapter 25 chapter 29 and started praying that God would restore the people back to Jerusalem we find that as Daniel was praying in verse 20 it says now while I was speaking and praying And confessing my sin and the sin of my people. And presenting my supplications before the Lord my God. in behalf of the holy mountain of my God. Now there when he refers to the holy mountain of his God. He's talking about the city of Jerusalem. We know that from verse 16 of chapter 9. Because in verse 16. Right at the. End of the, of the, middle of the verse, it says, and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain. So he's talking about Jerusalem. So Daniel's saying, I was praying for Jerusalem. But he also tells us in verse 20 that he was confessing my sin. That's an amazing statement. As we think about Daniel, think about what we've seen in Daniel's life so far in the book. This is the guy who said. I'm not going to eat that food. That would cause me to sin before God. I'm just going to, I'm going to honor the Lord. And I'm going to eat food. That would bring honor to him. I want to be obedient to him. When he could have taken the easy way out. And just kind of bow down to that image of Nebuchadnezzar. No way. He just continued to pray before the Lord. He continued to uh, pray before the Lord when the edict was issued saying that you can only worship Nebuchadnezzar. He's a spiritual giant. And yet Daniel records in scripture for us to read for all time that he, while he was praying, he was confessing my sin. You see, he's humble before the Lord and he actually records that he needed personally to record his sin before the Lord. You see, that's humbleness. And God sees Daniel's heart, and it tells us in verse 21 that while Daniel was still speaking, God dispatched Gabriel to come to Daniel and bring a message. Notice it says in verse 21, while I was still speaking in prayer, Then the man Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. So we know from chapter 8, verse 15, that this is the same one that in chapter 8, verse 15, Daniel said, There's this one that looked like a man, and it was Gabriel. That was the section where Daniel had seen that vision of this ram and this flying goat. And Gabriel appear this is the same one this is Gabriel angel Gabriel who comes to Daniel with a message now if you're reading out of the King James or a NIV it's going to say something like um, that this one being caused to fly swiftly if you're reading like the New American Standard like I have, it says that he came to me in my extreme weariness. The little word my in the NASB is italics. That means it's not in the Hebrew text. So the New American Standard editors interpreted this weariness to be Daniel's. The King James and the NIV interpreted the weariness to be Gabriel's, that he came so swiftly that he was the weary one most likely that's the right understanding there's some difference for opinion sometimes in how uh, the in the uh translators understand the text either way gabriel here has come with a message for daniel and he tells daniel that it's a message that that he needs to give insight to and understanding in the end of verse 22 Now Daniel begins to hear this message from Gabriel and in verse 23 this is what Gabriel says At the beginning of your supplications a command was issued and I have come to tell you for you are highly esteemed Literally that those Hebrew words could be translated you are a precious treasure to God. Why is Daniel a precious treasure? Because of the humbleness of his heart. We would think, well, if Daniel tells God he's a sinner, then God's not going to treasure him. It's the exact opposite. God treasures him because he's willing to acknowledge that he's sinful and he needs forgiveness. And so in honor of Daniel's humbleness, And his willingness to recognize that he, the spiritual giant, needs forgiveness of sin. Gabriel comes and tells him, God treasures you. God treasures your heart because it's marked by humbleness. So give heed, there's a message here for you. God treasures a humble heart. You know, it's so interesting to see what we treasure... Compared to what God treasures. My wife Barbara has a first cousin who's a pretty famous artist in the United States. He lives in Dallas and in art circles his name is very well known. His artwork goes for tens of thousands of dollars. He's a really neat guy. And I saw on social media this week that, and I didn't know that John did this, but when John Sends a piece of artwork. To the person who purchased it. In On the wrapping. That surrounds the artwork. He takes just a couple of minutes. And he does a little sketch. A little doodle on the artwork. And now what's happened. Is that people have started. Valuing the doodle. And so people are taking. That little artwork. That he does on the wrapping paper. And they started to frame it. And it's become, the doodle has become valuable. He even had a woman post from high school saying, John, one time you did a little doodle on a sheet of paper and I lost it. And John wrote her back and said, I will send you another doodle. Isn't it amazing what we as people value? You know what God values? People. And what God values is So much more important than what we value. And what God values in people. Is humbleness. A humble heart before him. And we see him value that humble heart. So much that he actually sends Gabriel. To Daniel. Say Daniel God treasures you. And because he treasures you. He has sent me. With his message to you that he really wants you to understand. And God does the same for you and for me. We see in the New Testament that God wants us to understand his word. He wants us to understand his word so much that he actually takes up residence in our lives. There's a, there's a major difference But between being a believer in the Old Testament. And a believer in the New Testament. A believer in the Old Testament. Would not necessarily have the Holy Spirit. Dwelling on their life. Sometimes the Holy Spirit would just come upon an Old Testament believer. For a period of time. To equip them for some certain aspect of service. That is why David prayed in the Psalms. Do not take thy spirit from me when he sinned with Bathsheba and killed Bathsheba's husband but in the New Testament the Holy Spirit not only comes upon a person the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of the believer at the moment a person puts his or her faith in the person of Jesus Christ believing that he is God Who died on the cross and rose again from the dead. The spirit of God comes into that person's life. It's hard for us to grasp. But the third person of the Trinity lives in us. And the third person of the Trinity comes into our life. Ephesians chapter 1 says that the Holy Spirit is a pledge. He's a seal that we belong to God. That we will be with God forever and ever. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 explains that. If we don't have the Spirit of God, we're not even a Christian. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're not a Christian. Every Christian has the indwelling Spirit of the God of God. And one of the major ministries of the Spirit of God is to take the word of God and instruct us from it, explain it to us, help us apply it to our lives. That's why the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 writes this. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God. So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So the Spirit of God dwells within every Christian. The Spirit of God is not always free to work in every Christian. He's there. But Paul also tells us that when we sin. And we're not willing to confess it. It kind of kinks up the Spirit's ability to work in and through us. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. Do not grieve the spirit of God. Don't sin and have unconfessed sin in our lives. And so. Justice is true of Daniel. Is true for us. We demonstrate humbleness before the Lord. When we call sin for what it is. And we confess our sin. When we confess our sin. And walk humbly before the Lord. He is free and desirous of teaching us and instructing us personally in our lives from His Word. He wants us to understand His Word. And He will do that through the indwelling Spirit of God when we humble ourselves and confess our sin. If we don't confess our sin, the Spirit of God, who's still there, is sort of kinked up. He's not able to take the Word of God and Teach us from it and guide us and instruct us because we're grieving Him. God values humbleness in His people and He sees humbleness when we are willing to confess our sin. Now against that picture of verses 20 through 23, we come to verses 24 through 27. And we see the the exact opposite, the polar opposite. This one we know to be Antichrist, who rules in pride, who will one day stand in outward defiance against the Lord, actually seeking, demanding worship of himself instead of worship of the Lord. Now remember what Daniel's praying for. He's asking the Lord to bring Israel back to Jerusalem. Back to the temple where they can worship. The main point of verses 24-27 through 27 is this. Daniel, God still has a future for Israel. You know, there is a growing movement within evangelical churches. Churches like ours. To say... That the church has replaced Israel. That all those Old Testament promises that God made to Israel. Like when God told Abraham. Abraham I'm going to bless you. If you obey me and go to the land which I will show you. I'll bless you and I'll bless those who bless you. And in you all the families of the earth will experience blessing. You'll have descendants as, as innumerable. As the stars of the heaven and the sand of the sea. And a little bit later. God told Abram that he's going to give him land. From the brook of Egypt all the way to the Euphrates. Israel has never possessed that entire tract of land. But one day they will. And here at Faith Bible Church. We firmly believe. That those promises that God made to Abram. And later to the nation of Israel. Will come to their fulfillment. That God still has a future plan for Israel. And here, that's the main message. Daniel, you're praying that God will bring you back, bring the people of Israel back, and He's going to. And because of the humbleness of your heart, I'm going to show you how and when this is going to take place. Now, these verses are packed. I'm going to do my best to try to unpack them. Hang on. There's so much here. In verses 24 through 27. But remember this. If we don't forget, if we don't remember anything from these verses, remember this. God is saying here that He still has a future for Israel. That He's still going to honor those promises. That people of Israel will be in the land of promise forever. In the kingdom that God has promised, where a son of David will sit On David's throne. Forever and ever. Now. Here is the message. That Gabriel has for Daniel. We find it in verses 24 through 27. And it involves. This proud one. The one we know as Antichrist. And this proud one. This Antichrist is going to oppose God. We also see. He's got a sure future. Judgment. Let's look at it. The very first words of chapter 9 verse 24 say this. 70 weeks have been decreed. For your people and your holy city. So it's important for us first of all to see. That this message is a message for Israel. A little bit later. When we. Come to verse 27 when it says he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. Remember this is a message for Israel. Surely the many includes Israel. This is a message for Israel. It is a message about Israel. And so here Gabriel tells Daniel 70 weeks have been decreed. Now literally in the Hebrew text. The word, it does not say weeks, it says sevens. You know how in our western mindset we think, we think in tens. Ten, hundred thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand million. Boo, it just comes off. We think our brains think in tens. At this time in the ancient Near East they thought in sevens. And the message from God Through Gabriel to Daniel. Says literally this. Seventy sevens. Have been decreed. Now the text doesn't tell us. If it's seven seconds. Seven minutes. Seven hours. Seven days. Seven years. But we know from verse 25. That it has to be years. Because verse 25 Is written with a perspective of years. It says in verse 25. You are to know and discern. That from the issuing of a decree. To restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Until Messiah the Prince. There will be seven sevens. And sixty two sevens. So we know. In order for that to happen. It has to be a reference to years. Now on the back of your bulletin inserts. Is a very detailed chart. That is actually talking about these verses. And you can see. As we break these verses down. How it fits into the timeline of Daniel. And actually how it corresponds with the book of Revelation. So the very first thing that we have here. Is a statement about 70 periods of 7 years. 70 Seven year segments. In other words, 490 years. So Gabriel tells Daniel, I'm gonna tell you about a period of 490 years of God's plan for Israel. And during that 490 years, God's going to accomplish six major things. And we see those six things in verse 24. The first three talk about sin. Those are dealt with at the cross. He says seventy-sevens, We know 490 years. Have been decreed for your people. And your holy city. To finish the transgression. To make an end of sin. To make atonement for iniquity. Looking back. We can see this happened at the cross. When Jesus Christ. The second person of the Godhead. Came to earth. Took on Humanity, so that he would be able to die, it is 100% God, 100% man, went to the cross and died in our stead, he definitively dealt with sin. He dealt sin a death blow. And so, we see that the end of sin, a permanent payment for sin, happens at the cross. The next three things talk about the ramification of that cross work for Israel. And the next three things will be completed. Still yet in the future. When Jesus Christ the Messiah comes back to earth. And sets up his kingdom. So we see the next three things. To bring in everlasting righteousness. To seal up vision and prophecy. And to anoint the most holy. To bring in everlasting righteousness will happen when the kingdom Begins when Jesus Christ sits on David's throne over an earthly kingdom. The first expression of that, that first thousand years we call the millennial kingdom. And then Jesus will continue to sit on the throne of David forever and ever over a new heavens and new earth in the heavenly Jerusalem. We see also to seal up vision and prophecy. There'll be no reason to read prophecy anymore. It'll all be fulfilled. And then finally, to anoint the most holy. Now in my Bible, in the New American Standard, it says place in italics. That means that the word place is not in the original Hebrew text. The NASB editors think that what that means is that as the millennial kingdom begins, there will be a millennial temple that will be anointed, set apart for the worship of God. Other Bible teachers think That the most holy is not a reference to the temple. But it is actually a reference to Jesus himself. That he will be anointed as the Davidic king. Either one is possible. The point here is that during this 490 years. God has got a future for Israel. Now what Daniel didn't understand. What we can only understand by looking back. Is, is that these 490 years are not going to all happen consecutively. So that brings us to verse 25. You are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. We know that took place in 445-444 BC from the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. Until Messiah the Prince. There will be 7 weeks. And 62 weeks. So 7 plus 62 is 69 weeks. What the message says. Is this. There is going to be 483 years. From the time. When the original decree is made. That Israel can go back. And rebuild Jerusalem. Until the time. That Messiah is present. 483 years. Why The 69 weeks is broken in the 7 and 62. I can't answer that. I don't think anybody definitively can. But it's 69 weeks. Which leaves us with the question. What about the 70th week? There's only 69 weeks here. 483. But we need 490. What about the 70th week? And what Daniel didn't understand. What none of the Old Testament authors clearly understood. What the New Testament calls a mystery. Is the fact that there is a period of time. Between the 483 years and that 70th week of Daniel. And that period of time is where we live right now. Bible teachers call it the church age. It was a mystery in the Old Testament. But now looking back we can see it clearly. That's where we live. And the 70th week of Daniel is still future. It's what Bible teachers refer to as the tribulation period. That 7 year period of time. It's what Revelation chapter 6 through Revelation chapter 19. Dedicates to describing. That tribulation period. That 70th week of Daniel. So right now as we come To verse 25. We see 69 weeks. And at the end of 69 weeks. It says. Then after the 62 weeks. That is the 7 plus then the 62. The Messiah will be cut off. And have nothing. We know that to be the cross. That Jesus Christ is crucified. To pay for the sin of humanity. And the people of the Prince. Who is to come. And we have talked about this one. In the vision of the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. and in, in, in later chapters we see that out of the Roman Empire. Will come one who is a prince to come. The book of Revelation refers to him as the beast. John and 1 John refers to him as the antichrist. This one who is to come. Is shown for us here in Daniel 9.26. He's saying the people of the one who is to come. So the Romans are going to do what verse 26 says, which is destroy the city and the sanctuary. That's happened. In 70 AD, Roman general Titus came in and destroyed the temple. And verse 26 continues to say that Israel will Will um, be the victim of war and desolation. All the way until when Messiah the Prince. Sets up his kingdom. Which we see is true. It's reality. What Daniel didn't understand. Is this break. Between years 1 to 483. And then 4 84 through 490, that last period of seven, what Bible teachers call the 70th week of Daniel, which we come to in verse 27. Verse 27 is a description of what we call the tribulation period. It's a description in capsule form of Revelation chapter 6 through 19. It's talked about in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. This is a description of the tribulation in one verse. Here it is. He, we know, it's just been talked about, the prince who is to come. We call him Antichrist from 1 John. He will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. Well, who's the many? For sure, it's Israel. We know from Ezekiel chapter 38... That Israel will think they are at peace. And will fall underneath a false Messiah. This is it. This one that we know as Antichrist. Will appear to bring peace. And Israel will fall in behind him. In fact the world will fall in behind him. And it says he will make a firm covenant. With the many for one week. Or for Seven years. But, in the middle of the week, three and a half years into it, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. He will cut off Israel's worship. In fact, we know from Revelation chapter 13, in Revelation chapter 13, there's really three characters. There's Satan, There is one called the false prophet and there is one called the beast. And Satan will give authority to the beast. The beast will appear to have died. But he will be given life. And the false prophet will set up an image of the beast in the temple and demand worship. In fact, if people are not willing to worship Antichrist, they will die. And here it tells us that in the middle of that week, Israel will no longer be able to worship in the temple. And in reality, they will have to, they will, it will be demanded of them to worship Antichrist. We know from Matthew chapter 24 verse 15, and we'll look at this verse after the first of the year, Matthew 24 verse 15, It says this. Therefore when you see. The abomination of desolation. Which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet. Standing in the holy place. Let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea. Must flee to the mountains. So even Matthew refers back to this. At this time when the beast. Antichrist. Will set himself up. To receive worship. You see, he's so caught up in pride that he stands in complete rejection of the person of Jesus Christ. But notice the end of verse 27. On the wing of abominations will come one who makes death desolate even until a complete destruction. One that's decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. You see, It's already been decreed. That Antichrist. Will face judgment. In fact we know from Revelation chapter 20 verse 10. That Antichrist. The false prophet. And Satan will all be cast into the lake of fire forever. Their judgment. Is already secured. It is. Sure. Now. Why is it important. For us. To know. What's coming ahead. Why is it important for us. To understand that what Daniel describes. In this 70th week. Hasn't happened yet. But it's going to. It's important because of context. This week uh, Barbara and I. Had a little discussion about a wedding that we are going to attend in October close friends and I made the comment to Barbara hey the one good thing about this wedding is we can go really casual and Barb says what are you talking about we can't go casual and I said it says right on the invitation we can go casual if it's nice out I can wear my khakis and keens and just a sports shirt If it's cold, I can put on a pair of jeans. It says right on the invitation that it's casual. Barbara says, no, it doesn't. Where are you coming up with this? So I go and get the invitation and I read this sentence to my wife. This is actually what it says. The wedding will be outdoors, so dress accordingly. (laughs) I think I've nailed it. It's outside. I can wear jeans. If it's nice out I can wear my khakis and keens. My wife comes back and says. You don't understand the context. You don't get it. I said Barbara it says right on the invite. Dress accordingly. It's outside. So my wife is really good friends. With the mother of the groom. They had a a really fun time laughing about me. Because the mother of the groom says. He doesn't understand that at all. It's a very formal affair. People are supposed to be dressed up. All that means is if it's cold outside. Make sure you dress warm enough. What? I I still think I was right. But the mother of the groom says I'm wrong. So I have to bow. (laughs) You see what my wife is saying is this. You don't understand the context. And one of the things that's really important for us to do. Is to understand the context of where we live right now. I'm not talking about Iowa. I'm talking about where we live in God's timeline. The Apostle John helps us understand this in 1 John chapter 2. and In 1 John chapter 2 verse 18 we start to read this. Children, it is the last hour. Now John is talking to Christians in the first century and he's saying, we're living in last days. That's 2000 years ago. How much more are we living in last days today? And John goes on and says, children, it's the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, that's just what we're talking about. Even now, many antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that it is the last hour. Now John, what do you mean by that? He goes on to explain. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you all know, I have not written to you who... I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Here is John's point. We, those of us who who are living in this gap before the 70th week of Daniel, we are living in last days. And John is writing to us, just like he wrote to his original audience, and he's saying, we all know Antichrist is coming, the beast, this one described in Daniel 9, this one who's in pride going to reject Jesus Christ and stand and demand worship himself. Don't kid yourself, John says, Antichrists are here now. We should not be surprised as we look around us and we see this growing resentment toward the things of Christ. We should not be surprised as we see this antagonism that's rising up against Jesus Christ and the people of Jesus Christ. We look at the news and, and it's just discouraging until we remember our context. Our context says, this is right where God's put us. This is right where God has told us we would be through his word. That I can't believe. The downward spiral of our culture in just three years. And here Daniel reminds us of our context. That we are living in the days right before the 70th week of Daniel. How much more should we be enlivened, invigorated. To let our light shine for Jesus Christ. Because we are in a dark time. But remember. In the darkness, the light shines the brightest. And from Daniel's description of what's coming, we are reminded that we are in the days right before it. And John reminds us, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when we, when we are interfacing with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with people, even relatives who hate Jesus. Why? Because there are many antichrists who are following the spirit of antichrist amongst us now because things aren't going to get better. And by the way, there's no political agenda that are going to, that is going to turn this around. We cannot politically change a culture. Culture change from the inside out. Culture change when people's hearts are changed. And our hope does not rest in a politician. Our hope rests in the person of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that we should not be politically active. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned about social issues. It does mean that we are not going to change our culture from the outside in. Our culture changes from the inside out through the person of Jesus Christ. And in a dark place... What a time to let our light shine for him. Father I thank you for this section of the book of Daniel. And for the reminder that you treasure humble hearts. Even in a time right now it's a time that you are calling us to greater levels of holiness as your church. That we need to be very mindful of our need for grace and forgiveness. And continue to come before you with humbleness like Daniel did. It's an opportunity for us to let the light of Jesus in us shine in a dark world. Because indeed we are living in the last days. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.